We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. Joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric freaking Crocker. What's going on, man? Uh, nice little night of some uh, NBA action. Uh, you know, Warriors and, and the Nets going at it. And um, also some guy, well, I'm a Laker fan. They come on a little bit later, but there's this guy named uh, uh, Wilson. He plays for BYU. He's kind of going crazy right now, 330 yards at halftime. So I know 49er fans are all kind of tuned in, well, for the most part, tuned in to what he's got going on. So busy night in the sports world, but nice. Yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson, 
probably been like a top three to four quarterback prospect throughout the draft process. Um, recently vaulted up Eric Crocker's top five quarterback rankings to number two. And that was before he's having his Crocker. What are your top five quarterbacks? Just list them off real quick. All right. So I have five at five. I have Mr. Uh, uh, Ritter. Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Um, at okay. four, I have Fields, uh, Justin Fields. At three, Trey Lance. Two, Mr. Wilson. And at one, of course, Trevor Lance. I mean, Trevor <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> hey, we, we start combining them all together. We got Justin Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Trey yeah. Ritter. It's whatever, man. It's whatever. Yeah. But so, and I think Crocker is... Too. Every, everybody have feels pretty much number two. Um, I had him at number two, but I, I dropped him. Okay, so here's my thing. I'm big on having the intangibles, right? Like just having the, you know, the, the arm talent, like the things that translate to the next level, right? To the NFL. You know, can this guy make all the throws? You know, does he have the ability? You know, all that type of stuff. But at some point, like your mental, I don't want to say mental compa- capacity, but your ability to play big in big moments, like that has to show through as well. And Fields has all the ability, but there's something missing when he starts to get a little bit of pressure. And again, all quarterbacks play worse under pressure than they do, you know, without pressure, you know, of course. But I I mean, when I say pressure on him, like just in the sense of like the magnitude of the game, and it feels like in those situations – everything just kind of goes to shits with him. Like with his accuracy, him reading the field, he starts to take sacks and all these weird things he's doing, throwing interceptions. Like, and I've seen it in a couple of weeks now, for the most part, every game that he plays, you know, his team is the most talented team on the field. So when you play against Indiana and if you look at the stat sheet, it probably looks good. But when you watch that game and he threw like two, three interceptions, it wasn't pretty. Like he was throwing interceptions. He was taking sacks. He was just, Weird decisions. He was doing all kind of crazy stuff. Should have thrown a couple more interceptions. It was really weird. But I, I, I'm a context person. So I tried to just look at it like, hey, one game, see what he does, you know, learn from it or whatever. And then you see this last game where he plays against uh, – who are they playing against? Uh, Northwestern. And I think their DBs are good. But he made them look like, damn, should this guy be a first-round draft pick? Like, it, it – it wasn't very pretty. He was very inaccurate. I mean, he was like under 50% most of the game. Um, he wasn't making throws that you would like to see a top guy make, like in a sense of like, like what what, what throws, okay, um, Haberman and Middlecoff kind of made up this term, above replacement throws, right? So it's like everybody's going to complete throws here and there, but what are the throws that like your replacement can't make? And I didn't see those. You know what I'm saying? Um it was just really weird watching. And I was like, man, like, I didn't like what I saw versus Indiana. I just wrote it off or whatever. In most games, he's been, you know, really comfortable in the pocket. But I didn't like what I saw against Northwestern at all. I know he has his big-time ability. But I I have to see it all come together, especially in those type of moments. And it didn't. So I dropped him. And I just couldn't drop him any lower than that just because he does have so much talent. But definitely a huge question mark next to him. In comparison to... You know, it's like, well, why would you take him over Trey Lance, who only played one year? Or why would you take him over uh, uh, Zach Wilson? I mean, why would you have Zach Wilson or Trey Lance over him? Well, 
I've seen them in those big moments. And a lot of times their team, BYU this year, has kind of been a superior team. And in those moments, Zach Wilson has destroyed the opposing team, right? I said it on the last pod where Justin feels like, I, again, I, I listen to a lot of John Middlecoff and, and Haberman, so I, I reference them. But, he, you know, Middlecoff on Twitter asked a good question, like, how many of these Northwestern players received a scholarship offer from Ohio State? And the answer he got was one, one guy, one guy on the entire Northwestern uh, uh, team was even had the ability to play, not the ability, you know, you might have, but got an opportunity to play at Ohio State. Um, so you're the, on the far superior team. And he didn't look like this far superior player or team. And, and luckily for him, Sermon, um, the running back, the trash from Oklahoma, ran for like 300 yards. Um, but when I watched Zach Wilson and I watched Trey Lance, they have dominated their opponent more times than not. And even in the games where, you know, it's like, oh, man, like Coastal Carolina, people will bring that up as a bad game for Zach Wilson. But it was not bad. Did he – was it perfect? No. Was it like what he's doing right now against uh, 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 Eastern – I mean, uh, uh, Central Florida or UCF? Yeah. No, it, it wasn't this great, right? But he still did a lot of things you want to – you know, you want to see the above replacement throws, the ability to still make plays with his feet, the ability to make all the throws. And after he got bullied right before halftime on that um, interception and he got slammed to the ground by two guys and everything, I was like, man, we're going to see if he's a punk or if he's going, if, or if he's a dog, because this is going to test his m- mental makeup. And he battled back and was still in there making throws, all the things you want to see. Um, tried to drive the length of the field, really like 95 yards for a touchdown. They got stopped on the one-yard line at the end of the game. But I saw everything I see, need to see. Like, you know what? This dude's a battler. He's a baller, has all the ability. I got to bring this guy up. And Trey Lance, um, you know, although playing in the, you know, the uh, F- FCS, he's been in a bunch of big moments, even though it's just one year. But in that one year, one, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And there's a lot of people that question his uh, – well, he hasn't played that much. Like, I mean, I, I don't care about that. I just want to see, like, like what's his ability? Because at the end of the day, you're looking at him almost like a basketball player, right? NBA players, they get drafted off what they can be. And I think that's what you're going to do with Lance. But I have seen him in the biggest of moments, no matter what the weather conditions were or not. He showed up. He always showed up. And you didn't watch any games. And I've, I've watched every game that he played last year. It never looked like the stage was too big for him, ever. And that's what I would like to see from Fields while he's on the far superior team. And I'm not seeing that. And I'm seeing a lot of more question marks pop up than being completely sold. So in, you know, a draft, obviously there's a lot of projection that goes into it. And you don't know what these guys are going to be. But when it comes to the rankings, that's why I bumped up some guys over Fields. Well, I think the I think the level when it comes to these quarterbacks, I think the level of competition um, kind of gets it becomes too big of a factor for me. A lot of the times, like to me, you know, if a quarterback is playing bad competition, then obviously they should play well. And if, if they're playing good competition, then obviously the game should be competitive. And it doesn't mean that that quarterback's going to be flawless against stuff like that, because, you know, obviously football is such a team sport. There's a lot of things that go into every single down and whether it succeeds or not. But to me, it's kind of what you're saying. It's like, is the guy showing me, the ability like because as an NFL coach on an NFL team with NFL game plans and NFL 
quality players and, you know, having an NFL offense around him, like you, a, a coach like Kyle Shanahan is going to be very confident in his ability to put that quarterback in a position to succeed. You know, I, I feel like, like if I'm going to, you know, Kyle Shanahan will be saying, look, I'm going to give this guy a chance to do what he does is. So that's why you end up focusing on is what he does impressive. That's kind of like what Andy Reid has done with Patrick Mahomes. There was a lot of people focusing on, oh, well, you know, some th- stuff Patrick Mahomes does is crazy, but it, but it's 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 against so-so competition. And look, they didn't even win that many games. And that's why it's a, just a faulty way of looking at a lot of prospects because what you should be looking at is what is this player doing? What is this player doing that blows my mind? I don't care about the competition. I don't care about, you know, the wins or the loss. Like, what is this player showing me in this moment that blows my mind, that impresses me? And do I think, as an NFL head coach, I am going to be able to put that player in a position to do that often? And that's what you should be. If you're confident that you are going to be able to take advantage of that skill set, are you going to give somebody like Jan, uh, Jeff, or Zach Wilson a chance to to make these these throws, these next-level throws, throws across the field, pinpoint, whatever? I mean, he seems like he can do them all, to be honest, but... Like, do you feel like you're going to be able to take advantage of that skill set and and put that player in a position to succeed? And if the answer is yes, then who gives a shit what the level of competition is? Like, right. if, you if know, you, I think a, a bigger thing too with the level of competition is when you are Trey Lance, your your team in in, in you know even more so than like Oklahoma, uh, uh, Ohio State. Like, when you are North Dakota State, like. Not only, okay, yeah, the level of competition isn't as great as maybe what... Neither are the people around you. But neither are the people around you, right? Like, he, too, is playing with guys that are FCS guys, right? Like, he, too, is playing with guys that, you know, are maybe overachievers or, you know, whatever. They're just probably just, you know, very coachable. He's not playing with the most athletic guys, but he's making them look like, damn, why isn't this guy? Because I'm watching the games and... His, you know, I'm looking at guys making plays and stuff. And I'm like, man, why isn't this guy on a D1? But it's like, damn, I think Lance might just be elevating these guys and putting them in positions to make plays and doing these things. And that's one thing. Even when you go back to Josh Allen and everybody sees how well he's doing now, Josh Allen was not good at Wyoming. And even against Wyoming's competition, which was like Mountain West comp, he was not good. He was not even good against them. Um, and then when he played up against like Oregon and some other, uh, you know, power five schools, he was terrible. Like when I say terrible, I mean, absolutely. It was brutal watching it. I was just like, goodness, this dude is trapped. Like he's terrible. And I was so shocked to see him go seven. So like, and, and he could just very well be an outlier. But I think at the end of the day, when you're looking at these prospects, like if you never swing, like you're just going to strike out anyways. So you're better off going with the guy, whether, you know, it's never going to be guaranteed. But, hey, I, I, I like this guy's skill set. I think what he does well meshes and works well with what we do offensively. I see the skill set, the arm ability, you know, mobility, whatever, smarts, whatever, toughness, whatever it is that you look for. Just look for that in the guy and evaluate that. And if he can do that, then you take a chance on him. There's no 100% uh, guarantee that any of these guys – are going to pan out, but you got to do something. If you're the 49ers, you got to do something that quarterback because Kyle Shanahan is racking up L's on his record because he doesn't have that position solidified. Even if you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy, that right, 
you can't be the guy if you're on the bench. And I heard somebody t- um, you say a stat about um, the 49ers. Since uh, Garoppolo took over, since Garoppolo took over, the 49ers have a losing record. They have a losing record since he took over. And you probably ask, like, well, how is that possible? They have a winning record with him. But he's missed so many games that they've lost a lot with him on the roster as well. And 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 that's something you can't really have. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I think it's, it's fair to ridicule. You know, you've got to take into account somebody's availability. Now, do I think that the reason, you know, do I think Garofalo is injury prone? Not necessarily. Do I think that, you know, he might have gotten just some really, really, really genuinely shitty luck? Sure. But, you know, in the end, I guess there has to be some sort of black and white to it. But it just depends to me. It just depends on how you approach that conversation and, and, and you know, whether or not it, it's it's hard to say. I don't want to get too go down that rabbit hole too much. But like you're like you're saying, the one thing with me is is like. It's all about when you're looking at these quarterbacks, like to me, it's become, and this might be obvious, but it's just all about the traits, man. Like find me some quarterbacks with some freaky ass traits and they're not, it's not like necessarily they're going to be like a five tool guy in baseball or something. They don't have to have everything on lock, but just find you some stuff that excites you and that you feel like you can take advantage of. And as an NFL coach, that is your job. That is your, and that's always been something that Kyle Shanahan's received a lot of praise for: is putting players in a position to succeed, at least within his offense. So I think you, we can all agree that he, at the very least, gets the most out of his players. So you know, whatever that level of play is for that guy, right? Um, even Nick Mullins, which as you know, he's not, <laughs> he's not good, right? But He's like third all time in most passing yards in their first sixteen starts. So and like, we haven't here, seen what Nick Mullins looks like on another team. It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. So we say that I mean he has a turnover issue, but like in the sense of Kyle Shanahan being able to maximize that player's potential. When you draft somebody high, typically it's because they have a lot of tools. And I would bet on Shanahan being able to get the most out of a rookie. You know, even if it doesn't amount to like instant success in the sense of like a Super Bowl win, but just in the, you know, get that guy to look like a a a player that belongs in the NFL. I'd bet money on that in it, um, you know, over it going the other way, right? And just somebody looking like, oh man, this guy just can't play. Like you usually see that with guys that you're taking a chance on, like with CJ Beathard. And even then, there's been moments where even C.J. Beathard looked like, wait a minute, this guy kind of good. Remember, we watched him go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay on Monday Night Football. And it was like, man, you got some – now, obviously inconsistent, and that's why he was a guy that was a late third, basically a fourth-round draft pick. Like, you get somebody – you know, a lot of it has to do with guys and where they – what what the uh, situation is that they're drafted into. Sam Darnold was drafted into a shitty situation. So you're getting shitty results. He's had bad coaching the entire time. He's had a roster around him that has been up and down, injuries, Frank Gore, you know, all these different things. It's like, man, like, this is not ideal. Like, those things have to be taken into account. I've heard people talk about Blaine Gabbard and some other guys. Like, what was Blaine Gabbard drafted into? He was drafted into a terrible situation with Jacksonville. Like, that's one part of it where, like, yeah, it doesn't always work out. But I tell you what, man, like, if you draft a guy with tools and – Put him with a coach and in a situation where he's set up for success, 
more times than not, like you, that player, you know, it'll it end up working out for him. Even if it's not like, you know, he ended up being like the best quarterback in the league, but I bet he'll look like a starter. And right now the 49ers don't have that playing right now. And they have somebody that's capable of being something like that on the bench. But even then, like we've talked about 49ers having to kind of game plan around his limitations. Well, one thing that you kind of touched on there a little bit is I think the fact that any of these quarterbacks or these players that are drafted really highly, obviously there are times where a player just doesn't work out, where he was poorly scouted or, you know, he just wasn't able to take that next step and, and it just doesn't work out. I think that's probably pretty common. But at the same time, and we've seen this just as seems like with just as frequently, is to me, if, if you're going to if let's say Kyle Shanahan, who's obviously involved in the draft process, decides that you know he wants to trade up for Zach Wills, the moment that you decide to do that, to me, at least fifty percent of that equation is on you as the coach. Like, look, you have spent hundreds of hours watching this guy. You have identified probably dozens or a, a dozen or so traits that you feel like are NFL level elite traits traits you can work with, traits you can develop, positive attributes. You've identified all these things about these, this player, and now it's your turn to put that player in a position to show off those traits. And if and your attitude cannot be, oh, well, he's just having trouble adapting to, to my offense. Well, then you better get to work because you need to at least put in your part of the, the the you know put your chips into the table of adjusting what you do adapting to what that player does you know moving the chips around to put that player in a position to succeed because how often have we seen and it's kind of what you're just talking about how often have we seen talented players go to shitty situations that also includes and it's not just a lack of talent around that player it's a shitty coach that is unable or unwilling to adapt to what the, their player can do and make it work. Like, do you think that Andy Reid's offense just happened to be perfectly suited for Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. I mean, Andy Reid's always had good offenses, but you can bet your ass that he went through and tweaked everything and added wrinkles and different plays because he knew what he had in Patrick Mahomes and he knew he wanted to create plays and create schemes and create matchups that are going to take advantage of what Mahomes can do. And right. how, how many does Mahomes play like in rhythm? A lot of what Mahomes does is like, like off script and bailing on like the initial read and just drifting back and then just making a play because he's that talented. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Andy Reid has to kind of let him, I think it's just like, you know what? Like, I kind of got to let him do him a little bit, you know? Yeah, you don't you don't put a saddle on a Mustang. Right. So it's just, it's 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 to me, is if the 49ers are going to pull, pull a trigger and go after the quarterback, and, and any of these top quarterbacks, whether it's Trevor Lawrence, if he happens to get away from the number one pick for some reason, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, they've all shown elite traits. So if you're going to take a, a, a risk on somebody like that, it's it, obviously it's up to them to develop and work because you have to, it's, it's the work you still have to have the work ethic to propel yourself forward and study during all hours of the night and, and just kind of develop yourself. But it, it's also going to fall on the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan to make sure that they have put that player 
in a position to succeed. If he's having trouble with a certain aspect of the playbook, then that needs, then maybe that needs to go away for a while while you focus on the parts of the playbook that he can do well. And then you slowly implement that stuff. And now the 49ers are in pretty advantageous position. If they do want to bring in a quarterback, whether that's a veteran, uh, you know, a veteran, a rookie, whatever, like whoever is going to show up is going to be, they may need to make some tweaks to that offensive line. We'll see, but whoever's going to show up is going to be, you know, the run game is going to be solid and you're also going to be throwing to George Kittle. You're going to be throwing to Brandon. Ayuk. you're going to be throwing to Debo Samuel. Um, and you know, maybe they keep Jordan Reed around. I don't know, but whoever's going to go in there is going to be in a good position. And I feel like the one part of that piece is, like I mentioned, the offensive line. But the other part of that piece is what is the head coach? What is Kyle Shanahan going to do? What is he going to change to make sure that guy can do what he does? And and I have confidence that Kyle Shanahan can do that because, like we mentioned this in the past, he has done it. You know, his offense under um, – why am I drawing a blank? You know what quarterback I'm talking about. RG3 and Kirk Cousins? Right, right. Yeah, his offense under RG3 looked nothing like what it is right now. I'm sure there were definitely some carryover and some, you know, some some similarities. But RG, what RG three was doing with the with the Redskins at the time was nothing close to what what Kyle Shanahan's doing with his quarterbacks now. So you know he can develop and and adapt. It's just, you know, that's that to me that's just a part of the the reason. That's why like, you know, Ryan Tannehill was just terrible where he was and then he you know he switches situations and all of a sudden he looks really solid. And that's why when I brought up. Sam Darnold a while ago, the dude is on the fucking Jets. One of the worst, the, the worst team in the NFL with what might be the worst coach in the NFL. And this is a guy who was very highly thought of coming out of college. And and there's some people out there that like, maybe Sam Darnold has, has shown some, some chinks in his armor, if you will. But there's people like, do you not think that that, that situation is a part of that equation? You just think that he, he just started to suck. You know, like he just got in the NFL and just took a nosedive. And yes, that does happen. But it would not surprise me in the slightest if Sam Darnold stepped out of New York or they brought a new coach into New York and all of a sudden he starts to look solid again. I mean, we've seen him have his little moments with in the Jets situation with Adam Gase. But to me, it's just there's so much of that situation is the coach. And, and what that team is doing to propel that player forward. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's get, um, let's get our word in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to have a really, really interesting topic for you guys, or at least I think it's really interesting and it's worth having the conversation about, but so, uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. Let's get our word in from our sponsors and we'll be, we'll be with you shortly. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed's here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find candidate qualities quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring 
You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed's offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. And obviously, we've got bet online. Football's back. It's in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. Bet online's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their seasoning opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all their great sign up bonuses. Do not forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, so something else that came up today. Um, brought up a very, very interesting and I would definitely say passionate topic for me. And I would probably say it's probably a passionate topic to Crocker too, given he spent a lot of time in the game going all the way up until to up, up to the NFL levels. But Kyle Shanahan was asked, Kyle Shanahan first was asked about the health of George Kittle. And he said that George Kittle had a good chance to play today as long as he was you know, medically cleared. The doctor said there was no risk of injury. And then he let a couple questions went by, and then Kyle Shanahan was asked a follow-up question and said, he was asked, with you guys being eliminated from the postseason, why is it important to get George Kittle potentially back on the field? And I'm going to go ahead, and it's kind of long, but I'm going to go ahead and read Kyle Shanahan's response real quick. And I, I just think it's important to get the full breadth of his response before we start talking on it, because I, like I said, it's kind of something I'm passionate about. But I want to make sure that you guys know exactly what Kyle Shanahan said first. So I think, give me a couple of minutes. I think that's about how long it'll take me to read it. But Kyle Shanahan's exact response right here. If he's healthy, I just don't see the reason why not to. That's the same as every other player on the roster. If you're healthy and you're not risking something, I mean, we would never ask him to play injured or anything like that. But he had a good week of practice last week. Most of the soreness was going away, and we're definitely going to test it out again this week. But when you have a guy, and if he's 100% healthy and stuff, how do you sit one guy and then look at everybody else in the eye on the team? There probably isn't anybody out there 100% healthy right now. So when you are, there's a respect level that players have towards each other, and everyone goes through this whole thing. Players risk every time they step on the field, no matter who you are, you're risking your career. That's what's tough about this sport, and that's why I don't think players get paid enough, even though a lot of people would disagree with me on that. There's not many people in the world that can do what you do, and you're risking your future every time you go out there, and that's no different for George. It's no different for all the other 52 guys on the roster. So obviously, I don't want to get George hurt or anything like that, and that's why we're going to be overly cautious with it, and that's why we why we have been. 
But if someone's 100% healthy, I can't look the rest of the team in the eye and tell them that they have to play, but George doesn't. That's just part of having a team and part of treating people the right way. Crocker, what are your feelings on that, man? You're muted, by the way. Yeah, I I agree with Kyle. You can't – okay, I look at it from two perspectives, right? And we kind of discussed this a little bit off air. But on one hand, I get it. Like, I understand what the fans are saying. Like, you've gone through an injury-riddled season. Um, You don't want to compound that with another injury to George Kittle in a meaningless game. But from the – team's perspective you you have to play because like he said you know you, how do you look at everybody else in your eyes and say you're doing everything you possibly can to win and you're putting their life or career on the line but nah like George Kittle is more important than you guys right like you you can't you can't send that type of message to the team so I understand it and you know it was kind of like you know I compared it to me saying, hey, man, you know, I think the 49ers should lose, right? And, and as a fan, I can say that. But the team, they will never purpose, purposely uh, lose or, you know, tank it because of the situation. We just saw the Jets. Like, they just went out and possibly lost, like, you know, out on the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. But even then, it's like, dude, you played to win the game, just like Herm Edwards said. And – whether that's doing everything you can like to to win, you know, with playing somebody coming off an injury or, you know, whatever the case is, like is not this isn't basketball. It's not basketball. Where, you know, in basketball there have been teams that actively tank. In football, these dudes are trying to win. So nah man, like there is none of that like, oh no, they should not play him. Like they risk injury. Everybody risks injury, man. Like if he's healthy, you play him. So I mean, I wouldn't, but the coaching staff, like, yeah, they 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 will. They will play him. And obviously, and I bet George Killer too, is going to be like, dude, I'm ready to go. I'm playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, it just kind of is what it is. It, and to me, there's so many things that go into it. And, and there's so many, like, I, like, like you mentioned, I get a fan's perspective like, oh, but what if he's, you know, you can't play him in these two meaningless games. And, and, and then, you know, what if he gets hurt and that transition is over to next season? The risk of injury is always going to be there. It will always be there. So I understand that while you think these are meaningless games, they are not. You might not be able to make the playoffs, but there are still – um, coaches fighting, playing, you know, coaching their guys because that's their job and their job is on the line. There are still players competing because that's their job and they have to make themselves look good. They either are competing for a spot on the 49ers roster next year or some other team's roster. You have, you have, uh, you know, it goes all the way up the top. Owners, general managers, all of these people make money based on the team's performance. The, the team's, merchandise sales is directly reflected by how they play on any given week. I guarantee you, you could probably track a team's income by how that team is playing. I guarantee you a team earns more money just from whatever is, there's probably so many different sponsorships and 
you know, revenue that is based off wins and losses. And, you know, after a team wins, there may be way more merchandise sales for that team than after a team losses that directly affects, you know, the income and the, there's, there's like it, I like it goes so far. The idea of winning and com- competing and winning a, f- to a football game and always trying to win the ripple effects probably carry all the way up to the top of an organization. And that doesn't even, and, and then you go to the other side of that. The idea that a team would be actively trying to lose because they know that they are no longer in the playoff run. Do you understand the damage that could do to an organization? Like if it, if it's something as obvious as purposefully sitting a player that's one of your best players because you know that you'll get a better draft pick and you know there's nothing else to play for, the 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 like the the preface the the like the precedence you're setting would be far more disastrous from an organizational standpoint than anything else that was going to happen yes obviously there are some pretty horrible things that can happen when a player steps out onto the football field but the idea that an organization is actively trying to lose games is far more damaging than any of this other stuff or and or, or what, not just trying to actively like not win or you know lose but to not try to do everything they can to win and i think that's the part too that you know when you start talking about um you know playing george kittle they're going to do everything that they can to win that game and that includes playing him if he's healthy now they could you know just be like hey well he's not healthy but then what if George Kittle is talking to his teammates and being like, dude, I'm healthy as fuck. Like, why aren't they playing me? Like, then that starts to send bad messages too. So if he's healthy, man, you got to just play him. And that's and that's where my notes start. The stuff I just talked about was kind of shooting from the hip. But that's where my notes start. Healthy football players play football, period. End of story. Like, I understand that fans want to look at this like some weird chessboard or like this weird game of risk where, you know, you're calculating this move and what it's going to do in your future versus this immediate move. And, and you know, should I attack here and risk losing some of these guys or should I wait and, and, and attack, you know, attack when everybody's ready to go? And like that, I get a fan's perspective of looking at their team and their team's success like that. But it's just not how football organizations work. And it's not how things are discussed in the building. It's just none of that is how things actually work within an NFL team. You don't just get to the highest level of competition only to all of a sudden start picking and choosing when you want to be competitive. And if a player is healthy, he's going to play. George Kittle is a team captain. He's an all-pro He's one of the best players in the NFL. He just signed a $75 million contract. He probably, even with all this stuff, he probably cares about playing football just as much as some undrafted free agent that's clawing his way through a roster. And you're just going to tell the guy to sit down and not play because you don't want to risk him getting hurt in, in, in football? It doesn't work like that. George Kittle's going to get pissed. George Kittle would might be like, you're, I'm stepping out on this fucking football field. If you're not going to let me get in my pads, then I'm stepping out in my clothes because this is this is bullshit. I've been out for weeks and weeks and weeks. I've rehabbed. I've gotten healthy. I'm good to go. And then you bet your ass George Kittle is going to tell other people in the locker room that, look, man, I'm good to go. I know those fucking doctors said that I'm good to go, and these guys are not letting me play. And that's going to trickle throughout the locker room. And before you know it, 
you're going to have a bunch of, of players underneath you looking at you like you're full of shit. Like I NFL players get paid differently because they are different skill levels and they under different importance of their team. But everybody out there is a human being and you cannot a coach cannot set a precedence that one player's well-being in health, not importance to the team, not contract and one player's well-being and health and as a person is more important than somebody else's. Right. And I think the key thing you said is like the coach, the team, like they can't send that again. Me as a fan, I can say, shoot, like I wouldn't play him, right? But right. The, the head coach can't send that message to his team. So let's, I think so that let's, you have to kind of distinguish the, you know, the kind of difference, you know, thoughts, you know, behind that. Right, and and that's and that's really how it is. We've talked about it in terms of the draft. Should the 49ers win another football game in terms of the draft from a fan's perspective? Absolutely not. We know that. But that's not what we're saying that the team should be talking about in the building because that's not how it works. And that's not what what creates a good culture within an NFL environment. You have to be ready to compete and play your ass off whether the chips are on your side of the table or not. And if you are going to – okay, so then let's, let's, let's open this door all the way. All right, let's say that George Kittle is now being sat. He's healthy. He's medically cleared. He's 100% good to go. But George Kittle is on the bench because you're afraid of – Injury that could leak over into the offseason or next season. Okay, then why is Trent Williams still out there? Let's get him off. Let's get him on the bench. We plan on re-signing him. He's our, our left tackle of the future. Let's let's sit him down because he shouldn't be out there. All right, you know what? Fred Warner, He's he just got named to the Pro Bowl. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Well, he just got named to the Pro Bowl. He's one of the NFL's best linebackers. Let's go ahead and sit him. Let's sit him because I don't want him to, you know, I want us to go into week one of next year healthy. Okay, and while we're at it, Kyle Juszczyk, best fullback in the NFL. We want to keep him around, too. He's going to be a free agent. We want to make sure we can re-sign him. Let's sit him down, okay? Um, Javon Kinlaw, dude's replacing DeForest Buckner, playing super well. You know, he's a for sure part of our future. Let's go ahead and sit him. Eric Armstead, best defensive lineman we got. Let's sit him. Jimmy Ward, our starting free safety. Let's let's put him on the bench because, hey, he could get hurt, and it could it could affect our chances next year. So let's sit him. Let's make sure. And now you've got – second and third string players all over the roster out there risking their ass because you decided that your best players should not play because they could get hurt. It could affect next year. You've now completely lost the locker room because half of your roster realizes that their health and well-being is not important to you. You just know that you're going to let them go out there and play while these guys sit on the bench despite the fact that they've earned that starting spot through years and years of hard work. So there's they, let, let's just make sure we're sitting all of them. And let's say if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, we still got two games left. Um, let's go ahead and sit him. You know, let's now now you've got your backup quarterback out there, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, this guy could be one of the best receivers in the league. Sit him down. Let's do that. It's too it's too risky. We've been eliminated from the playoffs. Why are these guys out there? Like and, and then and then look. Oh, uh, now the 49ers are doing this. Now you've got three quarters. Oh, however many. Teams don't make the playoffs. All sitting their players because hey, we we no longer are making the playoffs, so we got to sit our guys. We can't we can't risk them. It's just not how fucking football works, folks. Like the fact that there's so many people on Twitter on the internet acting like it's crazy that a healthy football player is going to play football is blows my mind. Like it's just not how it works. And you can look at these guys, and and to me, it, it plays into a bigger problem where. Fans, there are plenty of fans that look at these players like they're nothing more than little pawns. 
that are going to do what they want them to do. And if you play bad, I'm going to talk shit on you on Twitter. If you play well, I'm not going to say shit. If you don't get my fantasy team enough points, I'm going to talk as much shit to you on the internet as I can. You're just a pawn for me to succeed. I just want to watch you on Sundays. Other than that, shut up. Don't say anything. I don't want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your political thoughts. I don't want to hear your... And, and to me, this all plays into that. Like, look, I don't want to risk you getting hurt. I know you're a football player, but I don't want to risk you because I want you to play well for me next year. So sit on the bench. And it's just, it's all bullshit. It's all dumb. It's all, it's just not even real life. These are all comments made by people that have no idea what it's like to scratch and claw your way to this level where you're making enough money to not only take care of your family, but their family and maybe their family after that. Not to mention the fact that all of these guys collect game checks. So you're just going to sit them and they're not going to dress because you're afraid of them being safe and you're literally taking money out of their pocket now. Like, I I just don't get it. Hopefully I don't sound crazy, Croc, and hopefully I don't sound like I'm going off the rails. But every time I see this shit, it just, it, it makes no sense to me within the grand scheme of what it means to play football in the NFL. And it's not like I've got experience doing that. You do. But I do feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on on what goes on in the building. I think in things in, in life in general, right, like you can't play it safe. Like, and obviously you want to be smart about certain things, but you can't you can't play it safe just in life, right? Most successful people um, and they they don't have that mindset to play things safe. They get to where they are by taking chances, by, you know, making their own rules, um, you know, leading their own path. Like they, they don't confine by other people's rules or what people think that they should do. And when the 49ers get back to where they want to be, I think a lot of it is going to be because they continue to have that mindset, regardless of what other people think on the outside. I even... I bet they're going to do probably something like completely different than what we think they should do. But it's because they make their own rules. And whether we, you know, think it's right or wrong or whatever, um, I would, and, and I've said this, I'd rather do things my way and how I want to do it and fail than do something like how somebody else thinks I should and fail. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if I do things how I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, comfortable with doing this. Say Kyle Shanahan against uh, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. He did things how he felt he should do. And it didn't work. And you can look at yourself and see things that you can do different and learn from it. But I would much rather learn from a mistake because I felt like I should do it that way than do something not what, you know, that's not what I think I should be doing, but I'm going to do it. And then I feel that way. Like I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Like, that would be hard because I'm like, man, I knew I should have did this and I went against it because I felt like, you know, because somebody told me I should do that. Like, do you remember that that um, that there's like a little uh, clip of Kyle Shanahan and um, Petten? The, uh, he used to be the Browns head coach. And he was like, yeah, I think you should run it right here. Remember Kyle? And he just him, yeah, and he just gives him the look like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, like get, get the fuck out of my way. Let me do what I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and, he, and work, he throws it and scores a touchdown. Right. But if it didn't work, Kyle can look at himself and be like, okay. But if you do it, he felt like you should do at that time. And again, we're getting a lot deeper into it than maybe even other people are thinking about it. But to me, I think just your mindset on how you view things, how you view 
uh, situations, how you view life. You have to do things your way. When you do things the other way, and I'm not saying don't take uh, advice from people, but when you do things like that in, that are against what you believe, it's hard to live with that. And I don't want to fail that way. I'd much rather fail doing things how I want to do it. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just my opinion. And I think that's how most people that get into these high positions, I think that's how they think as well. Not saying they can't take uh, advice or constructive criticism, but you have to do things your way. And I bet if you talk to any billionaire, they probably say like, man, I took chances. I took risk. Um, what was it? Uh, uh, um, Jerry Jones spent every dollar he had on the Dallas Cowboys. Spent all his money, whatever he had, he spent, he put it all, invested it all into the Cowboys. And now he's like the richest uh, sports organization, for sure in America. I don't know about worldwide because some of these soccer clubs, they got some big money. But um, definitely in the United States, there's no bigger sports brand than the Dallas Cowboys. Like, he did that because he took chances. So I'm not saying that we're taking a chance with, with uh, George Kittle. I just don't think that the I think the way that they think about things and life and the way they go about things might not align with the casual fans. Right. And you're also and and by the way, the Cowboys are the world's most valuable team at five billion dollars. Crazy. I think to right around three I think that's right around three billion, maybe a little maybe two and a half ish. There I think they're about about worth twice as much as the 49ers. So I think the 49ers are a little over two. But I, I could be wrong. So yeah, that was one hell of an investment. But um, and and you got to realize too, these guys like they just they want to compete, they want to win, they want to get out there, and they want to play the game that they love. And you're coming up on two division games against the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Both the Cardinals and the Seahawks are in playoff contention, and the 49ers would love to ruin something for them. If we're not going to go to the show then we're going to make sure your trip to the show sucks as much as it can. And if the 49ers can go in there and and beat the Cardinals and beat the Seahawks, and if George Kittle helps them do it, then they are going to be ecstatic. They're going to feel like they ended the season on a high note. They're going to feel like they ended with some sort of momentum that they could carry over into next year. Not some bullshit, let's sit every good player because there's fear of injury, and let's just watch our team get walked over while we help the Cardinals and Seahawks get into the playoffs. Like It's just the 49ers and their players are going to compete. And if you were to walk into that locker room and say out loud, I don't understand why you're playing uh, this week, George. Like, what if you get hurt? He's going to turn around and he's going to look at you with the most disdain you've ever been looked at with. And he's going to laugh at you because that's just not how that life works. Like you, you don't just sit down and lay down and let your team get walked over because the season's over, you don't have anything more to play for. Nope, you're going to get out there. You're going to compete. You're going to try and win those games. And if you can win those games, your your wins are going to have an impact not only on the rest of the NFL and their playoff picture, but they're going to have an impact on the energy within the building and the and the way that you carry things forward going into next year. Like it's just the idea that well, there's risk involved. Let's let's just sit this one out. It. It just doesn't fly. It does not fly. 
You know, I can understand when players make some of those strategic decisions at the end of a season when they've secured their spot in the playoffs, they've secured the first seed, they've got their first round by, and they know they're going into the playoffs and they have a good run at the Super Bowl, then I can get why some players don't sit. And so will the rest of the team because they know like, hey, we want all of our best shooters to be perfectly healthy when we go to the playoffs. And players understand that because that's a strategic decision made to make sure that you can make your push to the Super Bowl. And 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 that's all about competing at the highest level. That's that's entirely different than saying, "Okay, we've lost. It's over. I give up. Too much risk. I don't want to be out there." Um, let's just let's just throw in the towel. Let's put in our third stringers, and we'll go into next season um, with with healthy guys. And and you know, in the process, you've now lost the locker room. You've lost respect, um, probably from around the league and from a lot of guys within your building. And it's just it's it's not a realistic way to look at life in the NFL. And the fact that so many people think it is is like a little concerning. Again, I can understand, you know, fans are allowed to look at things in the bigger picture and what may or may not benefit the organization as a whole. But within that building, it's all about winning every single week. That's all it is. That's all it is. The whole organization is built on winning. It's just, it's not real. It's not, that line of thinking is, it's not real. Okay. Try to get it out of your head if you can. Again, or at the very least, understand what Crocker and I are saying about the fact that you can look at things from a fan's perspective, from a, a broader point of view, but at least understand what the what the what the the essence of that building needs to be. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just doing yourself a disservice and you're making yourself look like an idiot in front of everybody. So I don't. I, I guess that's it. Let's. You know, we've got some. Actually, we've got some important 49ers news to get to you guys that we haven't even covered yet because I'm just too, too passionate about that topic, obviously. And I apologize if all that seemed like one big rant, but it's just it's a little crazy. First off, we gotta give we gotta give a congratulations on this podcast to Trent Williams, Kyle Uzcheck, and Fred Warner for making the damn Pro Bowl. That's a big deal, still, right? Yeah, no, nah, definitely. I mean, they they deserve it, right? And even, you know, All-Pro Fred, everybody's been campaigning for him to, you know, become All-Pro and kind of get that recognition. And I think early on it felt like this was going to be the year, you know, whether it was Aaron Rodgers telling them, like, hey, man, you're the best in the league. Like, you know, like, or, you know, whatever it is, I feel like everybody just really took notice. I think they took notice last year, and this year it was like, it was, I don't want to say the popular thing, but the popular thing to kind of speak out about how well this guy is playing at middle linebacker. And, uh, you know, 49ers haven't been good this year. It's not because of Fred Warner. That dude has been playing <laughs> very well. So, um, yeah, man, it, it's cool to see him uh, get the rec- recognition that he deserves. And a lot of times you don't see that on teams that are playing bad. Yeah, he's and he, this is his first Pro Bowl. And Kyle Juszczyk said to the, uh, the media today that he was he was more excited about Fred Warner getting his first Pro Bowl than Kyle Juszczyk was about getting his own fifth. Because obviously, the, the 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 crop of fullbacks is so small that your odds of making the Pro Bowl are already good. And Kyle Juszczyk is the best of the best in the in the fullback market, and it's not even close. So I think he's on it. Yeah, he's on like his fifth Pro Bowl. 
And the same for Trent Williams. I mean, I'm not belittling these guys' talent, not even close. But we know that Trent Williams is a Pro Bowl caliber player. We know Kyle Juszczyk is a Pro Bowl caliber fullback. And we know Fred Warner is a Pro Bowl Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. He just hasn't got that recognition yet. And this was his first year getting that, which is a big deal. And, you know, if, if he maintains this level of play, he will probably continue to be awarded Pro Bowl nods. And I would be willing to bet that he's also going to be um, probably second team all pro this year. Could be first team all pro. Yeah, if not first team. Right. It, it's almost it, like it they could be like, him and Bobby Wagner. Yeah, you know, in, in college they do like a, a Heisman campaign where they really – um, push, you know, teams will push a certain player to kind of get that spotlight. And it seems like that's what, you know, the 49ers and others have done for Fred Warner. They've, put, they've, they've dubbed it a nickname, All Pro Fred. Like, it doesn't get that much, you know, much more of a campaign than that. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he is, you know, first team All Pro. Well, and what I liked about that is – is it wasn't it wasn't bullshit. Like, of course, a team could push some bullshit that no one takes seriously, but you're kind of just making yourselves look stupid. Like Fred Fred Warner called, probably could have been all pro last year. It's just you know, and you're talking about a team that went to the Super Bowl. It's just a lot. Sometimes it takes a while to get that recognition in the NFL. And now that he's got it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was like like you said, first team all pro. And and that's this is not a pitch. This is not a gimmick. He is an all-pro linebacker. He, I don't know what it is about the 49ers and linebackers, but they just bring him into the building. Not even the same, same scouting staff as like Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, but <laughs> we're still going to bring in these linebackers. I don't know what it is about the 49ers, but they just keep them linebackers coming. And Fred Warner is the next great linebacker. And if he continues this, he could very easily put himself in the conversation of Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. He's that good. But you have to you have to continue to be that good. There's a lot of players that have come and gone in this league that had that one good season, one or you know, maybe even two good seasons. But it's that continued success that makes a player, you know, like legendary, as 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 a, a former 49ers linebacker would say. So I'm looking forward to seeing where Fred goes from here because whatever they're gonna re-sign him to, whether that's this year or next year, it's gonna be worth it. And and even from like a team perspective, you know, like the dude, every answer, like he just seems so intelligent. Every answer seems on point. Even when somebody asked him how it felt to get into the Pro Bowl, he was like, man, I mean, it feels great, but this is a team award. You know, like I can't, I wouldn't be able to do the things I do out there without the defensive lineman in front of me and the secondary behind me. And, and I feel like they deserve this recognition just as much as I do because I wouldn't be – he's like football is the epitome of team sport in my opinion, and I just – I wouldn't be able to play this way without them doing their jobs and holding it down. So obviously he's a humble dude, and he just he just seems like everything you'd want in a football player. Um, okay, let's hit some, some quarterback – crazy-ass quarterback news. Basically – Something happened in some way to every 49ers quarterback today, which is like weird to like, doesn't have, doesn't work like this. So let's start with the top. Jimmy Garoppolo. Broncos, right? Broncos a few weeks ago when they just lost. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Where no quarterback could play and they had a practice squad wide receiver out there trying to throw dimes. No, you're right. You're right. But so let's start at the top. Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers activated his practice window which is kind of more a procedural move than anything because they have to open his window now. I think they probably could have done it last week, but they have to open his practice window now if he even wants to practice. 
you know, because that's, that's the season only has two more weeks left. And if uh, they either kept it closed or, you know, there was just no, obviously they needed to open it now to even give him a chance to practice over the next two weeks, whether he plays or not, we'll see. We'll see. I know um, Kyle Shanahan was kind of tepid about that. He said, you know, he has a chance to play not this week, but possibly next week. We'll see. Um, if he's healthy, then like we just got done playing, and the 49ers will probably throw him out there. Uh, Nick Mullins suffered an arm injury. Um, he That's why he came out towards the end of the game, and C.J. Beathard stepped in there. Nick Mullins suffered an arm, arm injury that may require what's called Tommy John surgery. It's the name of an elbow surgery where they have to repair a, a ligament on the inside of your elbow, but it's considered to be fairly serious. I believe in the ba- – it's a it's a – not a common injury, but I believe it's a more common injury in uh, baseball pitchers. And I believe that when a player gets that surgery, it's seen as either, and I could be completely wrong here. It's seen, it's seen as either like career ending or very, very hard to come back from. Yeah. I, I think I, it's one of those that has improved um, over, you know, the years. Over time. Kind of yeah. like ACL huh? Yeah, where I, I think before it was like, you know, and most of the time you, you know, you hear about this in baseball players, but it was, you know, pitchers. But um, it definitely seemed like something that was like, oh, damn, you don't want that. And now, I don't know, I've never heard about it in a football player. I, I know um, Ben Roethlisberger a couple of years ago had a had some type of uh, injury to his elbow, but it's not something that you hear about that much, especially Tommy John. Right. So, I mean, I did some very, very brief reading on the internet and I saw that, you know, it usually takes a year or two. It said it could take a year to recover from and up to two years for athletes to regain their prior form. So I don't know what all goes into that and how arduous that journey is, but, you know, it sounds pretty serious for Nick Mullins. Um, And Kyle Shanahan did say that it was just a possibility of Tommy John surgery. So Jimmy Garoppolo practice window opened. Nick Mullins um, suffered an arm injury, which means C.J. Beathard is now the 49ers starting quarterback for Saturday's game against the Cardinals. And then Josh Johnson, you know, a guy who's been on many teams. He's been on the 49ers before. Um, He was on the practice squad. He was placed on the COVID list today who the 49ers said had that not happened, he would have been promoted to the active roster and would have been C.J. Beathard's backup for the game against the Cardinals. But he's now on the COVID list. They can't do that. The only thing the 49ers can do outside of using an emergency quarterback like Kyle Juszczyk or um, Jarek McKinnon was, and this rule was just created because of what Crocker mentioned, the, the Broncos game. The only thing the 49ers could do was sign somebody else's practice squad quarterback, promoting them to their active roster because that player would have already gone through all the COVID protocols. So that's the only players they had access to. And who do the 49ers pick? Josh Rosen. Yeah. Former 10th overall pick and currently on the, or used to be on the Tampa Bay practice squad. Now on the 49ers 53 man roster. And, I mean, the only thing I really have to say about this is I wish it was something the 49ers had done a while ago so that maybe – I mean, not necessarily active – well, I guess you, you could you could bring him from one practice squad to the other. You'd have to pay him more. There's not a whole lot of incentive for a player to do that. But 
Um, you know, it would have been cool if they were able to do something like this earlier so that maybe that guy could get time in the building and learn Kyle Shanahan stuff. And then maybe you get out there and see like somebody who was, was like I said, number 10th overall pick just a couple of years ago. Um, you know, see what, like that, what somebody that like that could do in Kyle Shanahan's offense. But for now he's just there as the backup. I don't know. What, do you have any unique thoughts on Josh Rosen? No, I've seen a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people want, want to play him. But I just don't see – I mean, he got into the building today, definitely, unless there's some type of injury, not playing at all um, Sunday. And, and, and even if he played next week, you know, how much of the offense does he truly understand and truly able to grasp? So, um, like you said, you know, ideally you would just like to see him uh, – you know, you would have liked to see him, you know, be signed sooner. And that's just something that, you know, is just not going to happen. And – I mean, but hopefully they do see something in him because, and obviously he's not like, you know, the most mobile guy, but this, the quarterbacks in the room right now, like they all got to (laughs) go. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mean, Jimmy, like, you know, he can stay, but uh, the other two Mullins, Beathard, like, man, y'all got to go. Y'all got to go. Mullins was terrible. Um, Worst turnover rate in the NFL. Uh, Beathard, not good enough to, play over uh, right and Kyle Shanahan basically said that the reason Mullins or Beathard hasn't played is because Mullins has outplayed him right so it's like nah dude all, all y'all gotta go <laughs> <laughs> so interesting I don't know how this affects the 49ers going forward I'm assuming I don't know what Josh Rosen's contract looks like I don't know if because he's on the practice squad and now on the 49ers active roster, it's that's really just a thing until the end of the year. I don't know if if Josh Rosen's other contract years come over to the 49. Like I, I don't know. I think I think it's basically just for this year. And if the 49ers want to keep him around, they're going to have to sign him to the roster oh, during the offseason like they would any other right. player. Right. So interesting, though. Interesting that he can spend – Josh Rosen can spend those last two weeks with the 49ers, get accompanied to the way Kyle Shanahan does things and how he runs his system. And maybe you're looking at at least somebody, no matter who's the quarterback next year uh, uh, in front of Rosen, a new guy, um, a Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody who may be able to push somebody. You know what I mean? Just at least he's shown recently that he's a quality quarterback. He hasn't been great in the NFL. He did beat the 49ers twice but I'm not sure that's actually saying much. But, um, you know, just somebody that's at least interesting to have in the building because I think, like you said, the interest level for Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard has pretty much ran out. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind if I see them on any roster. <laughs> <laughs> you just look at that other team's roster and you're like, not worried about that guy. Yeah, man, like, nah, dude. Y'all, yeah, yeah, I got to go. I'd be surprised. I mean – do you think Mullins plays on an NFL team ever again? Like, you know, I mean, he was terrible before the Tommy John. Now, you know, having to get this type of surgery that takes a really long time to recover from, already struggled from, you know, lack of arm talent, and this can contribute to, you know, lessering that. Do you think that, <laughs> you know, he's... I think he plays on an NFL team again. I think that he'll... I don't think it'll be the 49ers. I think because the amount of starting experience he has, it might not have, he might not be great, but I think a lot of teams will look at Nick Mullins and be like, well, I think he's better than our backup. 
So as long as we can get him in the building at league minimum, whatever we or whatever you pay backups, then that's fine with me. Well, you know, the, I the do, biggest issue though, like you at the very least want your backup to take care of the ball, and he's like the worst at that. Like, and it would be one thing uh, again, even Garoppolo. You know, he turned the ball over what eighteen times last year between you know uh, interceptions and fumbles. So eighteen turnovers, like that's a lot. But at least he's good enough to come back and like, okay, like yeah, I turned the ball over, but I'll just drive down and score a touchdown. Next well, that, and yeah, that Garoppolo always had that. That's what made Garoppolo's turnovers like palatable for so long is that he had that weird like bounce back factor where yeah. in most of the time he would, he would, you know, whether there was a fumble or a pick, uh, he would come back and then just be like, yeah, like you said, I'm going to go ahead and drive down the field and score and don't worry about that interception. My bad. Whereas yeah. Nick Mullins is going to throw that interception. And then in the next drive, he's going to throw that interception again. And then, then he's going to be like, my bad. Then he's going to fumble. And then, yeah. It, yeah. It's just like, and then the three and out. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a lot of bad football. I'd be, I'd be surprised. Um, obviously, I think maybe somebody would give him. Okay, I'll say this: an oppor- willing, somebody will give him an opportunity. Yeah, I'm willing to bet he will not uh, make an active roster. Okay, I could, I could, mm. I could see that. I think somebody will give him a shot to outperform their backup in camp, and and if he does, he does. Whether he does or doesn't doesn't really matter. I think he'll get that. But again, how long is it going to take him to recover from this injury? Is everybody just going to lose interest in him? Uh, you know, I, I'm assuming the 49ers are going to let him go with like an injury settlement. Although I don't know if they necess- I don't know if they need to do that because he's a restricted free agent that they can allow to hit free agency if they want. So I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work for Nick Mullins going forward. But probably wasn't a great way for him to end his his time with the 49ers because like we're talking about now, it it makes his sticking with the 49ers or another NFL team a little precarious. So, um, some more news, just the last couple of things before we get out of here. Uh, Raheem Mostert did suffer another high ankle sprain. That's why he left the game. Um, I know surgery is, is on, is an option, but his season is definitely over there. Raheem basically tried to play through a, you know, a high ankle sprain. And I, the thing I don't, I don't know is I don't know if he suffered a new one or if he just re-aggravated the old one. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I just wasn't uh, – I didn't catch what ankle was hurting him, but I think it was just the same one. That's the safe bet, but I don't necessarily want to mislead anybody. And then last but not – certainly not least, uh, Trent Williams said today, kind of obvious but still noteworthy, um, that him and the 49ers do have mutual interest in remaining uh, You know, a couple – he said the 49ers have interest in re-signing him. He has interest in staying with the 49ers. I don't see either either party having a problem working that out. Yes, it's going to be expensive. Yes, it's going to put the 49ers even closer to the wall as far as the salary cap goes. But there's not a single impending free agent on this roster that's more important than Trent Williams, right? Right. I agree. I mean, it's... It's just it's just he that simple. Plays man. the lack of consistency anywhere else on the offensive line. Um, yeah, you know, you just yeah, definitely very important. Like that's like the number one priority in my opinion. Right, and even if you were starting with a clean slate, you know, let's say you were you were building your own team from the ground up. Your quarterback would be your most important piece. Maybe an edge rusher is your next important piece, and then the next one after that, in my opinion, is a left tackle. You know, like if, if you were like building pieces of a team and, 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 you know, putting them together, 
I would think that left tackle at the very least would be like one of your top three or four highest priorities. You know, it's just, it's just one of those positions that when you have somebody like a Trent Williams, who by all intents and purposes has completely resumed his, his status as one of uh, the best tackles in the NFL, it's not hard to pay a guy like that. Like, you know, and, and there's a good chance that will, that'll be his last big contract. I think he's um, just number one. Up. I think he should be like he might. Yeah, he yeah. might be. I'm like, just, I'm just... Even even if it's Garoppolo coming back, like you know, you still you are you're gonna need that that or whoever. Even if it's a, a rookie or whatever the situation is, you need him. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like you need him. Even though I just watched a, a clip by Rich Madrid, um, where where uh, he kind of I don't know. It was kind of weird. It was like he was like riding the guy, but then. The guy kind of threw him by, and that contributed to uh, Mullins throwing that pick over the middle. So that wasn't a good play, a good rep. But for the most part, I mean, you know what you're getting with Trent Williams, man. He's a he's you a can player. find it. You can find a bad rep for every player in the NFL. Right, right, right. It's right. just that's that's not the measure of a man. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think that's it, dude. I think that's it for today. I think we covered everything. I think we got everything. I think it was a pretty good dynamic pod. Yeah. You know, I think we, I think we got it all out. It's good to, you know, always good to speak my mind, be able to come in on here and vent to you guys. Hopefully you guys didn't mind. Uh, I, you got any closing thoughts, Carl? Oh man. Uh, go Lakers. <laughs> go uh, the back to back. But um, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow, it's the day before Christmas Eve. We're going to put out some tweets calling for mailbag questions we're going to take those. We're going to do a mailbag. We're going to preview the 49ers game against the Cardinals because we're not going to be on here recording on Christmas Eve. Um, so somebody has to try and edit our podcast on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. That doesn't fly. So we are going to um, we're going to be on here tomorrow doing our mailbag, breaking down the Cardinals game, talking about everything we can about the 49ers one last time before we break for the holidays. And I'm assuming we'll return uh, probably our next podcast after that will be on Saturday evening after the Cardinals game. So make sure you guys are in here for that. Make sure you guys are paying attention to Eric Crocker's Twitter, to Rob Lauder's Twitter, so that you guys can um, respond to the mailbag post and be a part of our uh, tomorrow's podcast. But uh, hey, that's it. I respect you. Thank you for listening to the Striking Gold podcast. Wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. But for another episode, Striking Gold, signing out. Justice for Kyle Shanahan. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.